This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Peter Wilkins, Managing Director at Hyde Park Angels. What'd you guys think of this one? It's always interesting to hear kind of the other side of the story and get the perspective of what he's looking for and what he sees as opportunities in the market. Um, They're based in the Midwest. So it was, he has a slightly different perspective sometimes on what will make a business successful. So it was great, great to hear. Yeah, he talked a lot about what they're looking for in companies before they invest, um, specifically in how they create value 
um, gain traction and how that is impacted with the market that they're going after. Uh, There's certain things that they really need to see from a founder in the early days, and it's good to learn about that so you can work on that from the start. So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to George Diab of Working On about why he uses Hover. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I've been using it for a long time. Probably 2012, I think. I love it. It's yeah. The prices are great. The interface is awesome. And um, I still have a few uh, domains out in, in some other places. And it, it's, I'm just waiting to find some time and I'll move them all to Hover. I love nice. it. Yeah. Go to Hover.com and use the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS to get 10% off your domain purchase today. CodeShip is a hosted continuous delivery service focusing on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports both your GitHub and Bitbucket projects, and you can get started with CodeShip's free plan today. Should you decide to go with a premium plan, you can save 20% off of any plan for the next three months by using code ROCKETSHIP. Go to CodeShip.com slash ROCKETSHIP and check it out. So, Peter, you are on the board of Hyde Park Angels, which is, uh, you know, you guys are a fund that's focused on the Midwest. So tell us a little bit about what makes you guys unique from potentially other VC kind of angel venture firms. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, you know, what my role is, I am on the board, I'm the managing director, and I think the unique thing that Hyde Park Angels offers is we have a hundred members that a vast majority of them are operators. So they've started, scaled, and sold a business. And I think that any entrepreneur that has built a company, I think they can relate that you know, capital is capital. Cash is green. Whoever gives me the cash, I have to have a relationship. But what makes that relationship different is the expertise and advice that they can provide to help me minimize uh, the wrong paths to go to down and maximize the paths to actually travel. So the less things I have to choose, I don't know, I always know if our members can provide the exact path, but they can narrow it down that it improves the probability. So what really differentiates us is that um, we have an active base of investors that range from some of the top entrepreneurs in the Midwest, and we're focusing on the Midwest. So you know, we have people that not only provide the expertise, but they're close to the entrepreneurs, which helps them in a variety of different ways. So what's the difference um, between going to to kind of Hyde Park Angels, which has a membership of a, a hundred, and getting investment from an individual angel? Is, what's, the, what's the advantage, I guess? Do more angels come in? Is there a different kind of like deal set up when you're coming to a larger organization like this? Great question. So I think there's, a, I'll even uh, broad, broaden out the spectrum a little bit. So what are angels compared to VCs and a mm-hmm. VC fund? Okay. Um, and I think number one, a VC fund, the easiest way to think about it is you have um, a, a few groups of individuals that are managing other people's money. So they're investing other people's money because they create a fund. Angels, um, the difference between them and a fund is they're investing their own money. Um, so each person invests in each deal. And so what differentiates Hyde Park Angels, and we're the largest angel group in the, in the Midwest and probably top five in the country, 
Um, we operate uh, as an institution providing our members a lot of the resources that allow them to focus on the things that they like, and that's meeting entrepreneurs and helping entrepreneurs, while the institution behind them, the angel group behind them, manages all the paperwork and legal stuff and accounting stuff that when you start to build a portfolio of companies as an angel becomes cumbersome. So we allow them to do what they like. We allow them to learn from each other, allow them to invest together, but really get the same uh, advantages that most angels are looking for. And that's, you know, to work with good entrepreneurs, put their money behind them, and hopefully uh, it's a win all the way around. So, you know, uh, just in quick summary, the three things that are the three kind of groups that are in that category are VCs, angel groups that are kind of like an institution, then angels as an individual. That helpful? Yeah. So, so when someone's starting out, how would you um, help push them in the right direction? What's the right approach for someone, um, you know, whether or not to raise funding in the first place? And if they do decide to raise, who do they talk to? You know, I think the, the first thing that, you know, I'll sit down with an entrepreneur is giving them a, to really get a clear sense of what is your business and how strong is your business? And if you got capital, what would that do for your business? And I think that what is critical is answering that question to understand, am I building a business that needs a lot of capital to scale? And you got to work backwards to figure, what do I have to prove to show that it works in a small way so it can scale? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get in a position where they got a great, awesome idea, but they really are never going to be a huge company. And I think that changes where they go to get capital. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm going to kind of, I'll come back to your point, but I want to hit on one, one issue is that, you know, a lot of guys think that the game is about getting capital and the game's about building a business that's going to create some sort of recurring value. And many times when you're a small business, you have recurring value that can be captured in, 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 a, in the form of revenue, which is, becomes in the form of, of profit. Um, and so you got guys that are, can create some great small businesses that might be generating 10 to 20 million and throwing off a million to 2 million in cash. Not great for an investor, but awesome for the entrepreneur. And you know, if you put you know, a million in your pocket for 10 years, that's 10 million. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs that have had uh, companies that become a lot bigger than that that don't walk away with 10 million in their pocket. So a small business isn't bad and understanding where you play in the market becomes really important. Um, but the, where do you start? I think that you know, the first thing, let's say you've decided that, hey, I got, a D, I got an idea. I just don't have the capital to take it to the next level. And for any investor, um, they're going to want to see some traction. So I always encourage entrepreneurs to go to friends and family and to bootstrap as long as they can. Because the longer you can bootstrap um, and the less money you take from the market, the capital market, the more control you're going to have over your business in the long term, both from a board perspective and from an equity perspective. 
So the further you go with the more traction, with the less capital, um, probably the more control over your fate you're going to have. Um, so kind of coming back to your question, the, the, where do you go first is you got to just determine what you need. Um, I always recommend starting with friends and family, figuring how long that can take you. And then you start to look at your different uh, angel, um, angel group venture capital options. And so when you're approaching a, an angel group or, or even an angel, um, we talked about it before on the call and, and you had kind of four core areas of advice. Um, and I'd love to kind of go over those. Um, but where do you start when deciding, um, you know, I need to put a pitch together. What do you guys want to see? And, and what are some of the things that typically kind of get you excited when you're looking at a deal? I think what gets me excited because we we <clears throat> what you find is a lot of folks have really pigeonholed what they're looking at and and uh, what they do is they start to develop patterns in certain areas that they invest in and they don't invest inside outside of that. Uh, in our group, um, we invest a little bit broader than the typical venture capitalists, um, and so what. When I'm looking across all these different areas, what I'm looking for is how is, is this solution, a product, a service, et cetera, how is it creating so much value for that consumer or that business that they're going to change what they're doing today to start doing what this business is offering? Where is that value creation? And if it is just overwhelming. That starts to get me excited because I was like, wow, people would really change what they're doing today because this is so much better or so unique. And I think that what that allows us to do, because we're early in the game, a lot of times we don't see traction, but if I can say, ah, I got your value proposition, I understand how you create value, then I can start working with the entrepreneur regardless of where they are in, in the business to understand what type of things I need to look for to see if they're getting traction in the market. What are some ways that that's been communicated to you? You know, is it through like a product demo? Is it just through the idea and the excitement of the entrepreneur? Um, how has that been transferred at the early stage where you can see, you know, before a lot of people are using it, that this is going to change or could potentially change the way that people are currently doing things? I think uh, a lot of people look at it a, diff- a lot of different ways. So I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. But I can tell you for me, um, I need uh, an entrepreneur, before they show me a product or a demo, I need to think through the logic of how they're creating value. And a lot of times value is not only created by the direct consumer, but then there's influencers that impact how that consumer is using the product. And you can go to B2B or B2C. So when the entrepreneur can really succinctly be able to communicate that value and then they can explain how that, that value chain works together in a way that I understand the logic and I can believe the logic, then it allows me to look at their product or service in a way that I can really examine to see if they're truly doing that. So for me, I need a succinct pitch to capture my interest and then I need for them to have the logic and how this value chain comes together so I can see how it can be repeatable and recurring and all of those things. 
And, you know, to be honest with you, it's never going to be done with a PowerPoint and it's never going to be done with a product demo. Sometimes those are really helpful, um, but, you know, you're looking for that entrepreneur to be able to communicate that. Okay. So let's talk about um, traction and traction in a given market, because at the angel stage, it's very interesting. And I'd love to kind of hear what you're looking for in traction, because there can't be, there's probably not millions and millions of installs or downloads or users at this point. So how do you kind of judge it at that very early stage? Yeah, so I think, you know, in the early stage, traction can be... Uh, you can start to demonstrate traction by getting subject matter experts to say, this business, this concept is something that would transform the industry that I'm an expert in. Mm. So that's like at the very, like if you're looking, how do I look for traction when it's writing concept stage, you know, that is a way that you can demonstrate some sort of traction. Um, But I think that and our group is a little bit more mature, so we rarely in, invest in just concepts. Okay. And and what I would say too is if you're just if you just have a concept as a entrepreneur, the amount that you're probably going to have to give away for your company, give away of your company to get funding, is pretty draconian. And so, like, you want to at least have something out there that can demonstrate some sort of traction. So that goes back to what I was saying, like bootstrapping, friends and family, et cetera, is going to give you a lot more control of your destiny. The the thing that we look for going to traction is, is I think the, the simplest thing is, is there recurring use in some fashion? So, you know, like a lot of times you'll see people have wonderful graphs that go up and to the right. But what you're looking or what we or what I really look for is how many times is that person coming back and are they buying more, using it more, telling more people about it? Um, Those are the things that I really try to identify is I've used it once. I liked it so much. I used it again. I liked it so much. I used it again and I used it more. And so if you start digging through a lot of the metrics, you start to get key metrics. And I think, and I'll finish on this point too, is that it's not just you. So like, if, for example, um, I think Medium has a great blog on this um, around the idea of, you know, their focus is, is it's not just the impression on the blogs, it's how long the reader stays on site to consume that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, they're measuring true activity because their platform is different than Twitter they're trying to give you a platform that is really going to provide information that's going to change your behavior. You can't change behavior in, in a real quick tweet. You know, you need some substance to put some material around it. And so your key, your, your recurring value that you're looking for is, are people coming to the site more? Are they staying on longer? Are they reading the entire, uh, the entire um, essay or blog that's being presented? Those are the things that you're looking for metrics just to show adoption. And then if people are adopting it, they'll start to share it. And that's where you get a lot of traction. So when we look at traction in a given market, I mean, how do you, how do you determine that? Um, market size is, is something that I think a lot of people struggle with um, figuring out. And maybe you have even some advice on that. Well, my advice is, I don't know if, um, I mean, 
Here, here. Okay, so I think that uh, a lot of people start with the market size, and you know, you see, oh, you know, it's fifty billion or two billion or what have you, and you know, in day one, it's none of that really, right? It's the possibility. I think what what I try to do is is you're looking to see what is the traction, and a lot of times the entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I mean, they're going into a brand new market and. As they get traction, I think analyzing who's really your power users and trying to determine why are they using it? What are the similarities, both from a demographic and a psychographic, that is similar? And then you can start to extract against that value chain, oh, this is why they're changing their behavior to use this. This is why they're coming back. I could imagine this market would do it in the same way. So, you know, that's why it goes back to traction is then I can start to kind of project market size. Now, if you come to me with a business that says, you know, I'm going to market to kayakers that are blind, um, that's a pretty small market, right? So that might be a good small business, but it's not an investable business. Um, And so, you know, and there are just a sidebar comment. Uh, There's just, just... totally blows my mind. I was reading this story in Outside Magazine about this blind kayaker. And I'm like, I can barely do it with my eyes open. It just amazes me what people can do. (laughs) But anyway, um, coming back to the point is I think that market size gets blown out of proportion because you're really, when you're an entrepreneur, you're just trying to validate a market. And a lot of times that market, you're not right on the money. It takes you some time to figure out who's really buying your value and then you can you can start to size it a lot more effectively. Interesting. So, and then the last point um, that we had discussed was the management team. This is the big one that um, we hear over and over again. Um, so, what are you personally looking for in either a management team or a CEO um, when you're looking at them at, at such a young stage? I think the there's. A couple of things that we look at. I think first, and, and sometimes this hits, when I say this, it, it kind of lands on an entrepreneur in the wrong way. Um, but it, it, I think it's just the reality is, you know, what I'm really looking for is can they get it from point A to point B in the range that I'm investing? Uh, we're angel investors. We have to make sure that we get that next round of capital. Uh, we lead A rounds, but we won't lead B rounds. And so I'm a lot more effective to figure out, can I make a good assessment of a person to be able to get it from A to B than I'm going to be able to predict that they're going to get it from A to Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we, when I, and, and I think the other thing is everybody thinks like they can go find the next Bill Gates. I mean, there's few guys that can do that. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why it's pretty difficult to aspire to that. Um, but what we're looking for in a, in a management team and an entrepreneur is, uh, do they have a clear understanding of how they're trying to create value? Can they assess the market conditions as they start to validate it? And can they apply the business logic against the right metrics to be able to make the right decisions? And some people use the word pivots, um, at the right time because they're looking at the right keyboard or the dashboard. So their logic is right. Um, and if they have a history of doing that, then you see some pattern recognition. So I love you know, an entrepreneur that says, 
I'm able to do this because I did it before. Mm. But a lot of times, you know, um, that's not the case. So we're trying to determine, you know, their ability to really have a clear understanding of what they're trying to do and be able to demonstrate that they have a pretty good grasp on the logic that's needed to, to be successful. So there's the business side and then there's the team side. Um, and either how the team, uh, you know, kind of works together or how that CEO is able to lead a team that's not even, that doesn't exist yet, you know, a growing mm-hmm. team to get to that A. Um, so what kind of qualities do you look for in that when you're, when you're judging, I mean, whether they're going to be the ones to inspire people to get there? That's a, that's a, you know, it's interesting because I think leadership presents in a lot of different ways. And I think that uh, there's a certainly a, a focus on that alpha male kind of driven leader that or alpha female or whatever the politically correct term would be. But, you know, just somebody that has this charisma that's going to be able to drive. And, you know, a lot of times when early stage like this, it, it might be somebody with such great product insights um, that they're able to have a clear vision of where they're going. And I think that when I look at a leader, I think there's some criteria that, that I really look for. Um, can they communicate their vision clearly? Uh, because if they can't communicate that clearly, nobody else is going to be able to follow. And so a leader needs to be able to really say, here's the vision and be able to lay down, here are the paths that we're going to take to get there. So some sort of strategy they have to be clear in saying, here's how we're going to try to get there. So they're, they're good at understanding the strategy to achieve their vision. I think we look for that. Um, I think that you know, the, the other type of skills that represent is, you know, this is where we can draw from their past. What kind of um, experience have they demonstrated historically, whether it's been leading an organization or you know, involved in an organization that is much smaller, um, that they're just a part of the team, you know, are they a leader? But I think the, the thing on top of that is the level of passion and commitment they bring to it. Um, because this is a grind. Um, there's a lot of great days, but at the same time, it's really that hunger that's going to drive it. You know, their heart's telling them where to go and hopefully their mind's in the right place to get them where they need to be. Yeah, well, that's um, it's so true, and it it is uh, it's tough to I guess describe. So I, it's a hard question, I know, but I I love that answer. Um, so kind of, I guess to to kind of sum up, is there there anything uh coming out of of the Midwest that that you guys are really excited about? Um, that we should be we should keep an eye out for. Yeah, I think the. The focus on the internet of everything um, that's being driven into the industrial agricultural footprint of the Midwest is just mind blowing. Hmm. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of uh, solutions out there that are in the wearable space and all of that. But the stuff that is starting to emerge in, you know, in the Rust Belt or the Farm Belt, as they call it has immediate impact that I believe there's going to be rapid growth and huge revenue associated with it. So I'm pretty bullish on the stuff that uh, is percolating in, in, in those arenas. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
and it's the stuff that we don't always hear about uh, in the pop tech, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So where can we keep up with you and, um, and Hyde Park Angels online? Yeah, absolutely. So um, HydeParkAngels.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Peter underscore Wilkins. Um, we are a regular contributor as well on Medium through Hyde Park Angels blog. Uh, so we are one of the things that we've been focusing on is providing a weekly update um, to entrepreneurs about how to navigate early stage investments and how to make great early stage decisions around the investors you should partner with. Awesome. Well, we'll include a link in the show notes here so everyone can find that. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. You guys keep up the great work and. Uh, the more, uh, the more information we can provide on, uh, entrepreneurs to make better decisions, the more success we'll have as a whole. So uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't agree more. Thanks, Peter. All right. Have a great one. <laughs> you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today. 